We are Loose Women in Pharma. I'm Sarah Salby. I'm Miriam Kenrick. And we are an industry agency partnership from the world of pharmaceuticals and healthcare. And we are on a mission to inspire and empower women in our industry to shake up the future of women's health. to chat with Liv Nixon, an inspiring woman, woman in pharma who has made it her mission to shine a light on inspirational women in pharma through her podcast, This Girl Cam. Hi, Liv. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Miriam. Thank you for having me. Hey, great to meet you. <laughs> so just like us, Liv is passionate about helping others see it so they can be it. Um, and so we have a shared mission, really, to inspire people. Um, and that, with that in mind, we thought this was a collaboration we could not afford to miss. So first question, Liv, what is this girl, Cam, and who comes on your podcast? Yeah, thank you. So this girl, Cam, was um, is a podcast very similar to yours. Um, I interview a different woman every week in the pharma industry. I say every week. I don't include school holidays in that. But but inside of term time, I interview a different woman every week in the pharma industry. Um, it tends to be women who are at a certain level of senior leadership, um just telling their story really um sort of a mixture of personal and professional all tied in together and just a bit of aimless chit chat with myself <laughs> <laughs> and how did that sort of come about what gave you what gave you the idea for doing that Oh, this is a, this is always a good question. So the reason I started it late last year, early 2022, um, I had a bit of a change in my employment status. Um, my background, um, I've always worked in leadership roles for remote sales CSOs. Um, and being remote sales, I was often managing teams of women because of the flexibility, the part-time work availability, um, and obviously working from home. So it was very often women that I was managing. And last year, I did that for about 10 years with different organizations, a couple fairly long-term, and then ended up with at one Quite, I made a move and it ended up being a shorter term uh, employment, shall we say. I didn't stay long at the last CSO that I worked in. There was a bit of a, a culture clash, shall we say. I've got four children. So there was, I had certain needs. For that me. is quite a lot of children to be doing lot. big jobs, big jobs with as it's well. Excessive. And are they quite little, your children? Yeah. Um, I've excessive. Got, <laughs> <it is> excessive. <laughs> I never know when to stop. Any pets? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, I've got three guinea pigs. This is what I mean. Like, why don't I know when to start? Why not just have two? That's my woman. <laughs> I have got eight. I have Thank eight you. guinea pigs. Don't. It's like my daughter. My daughter is like a single parent to these guinea pigs. It's a, it, and she's now nineteen. So if you need any more, let us know. Oh my God, my husband will kill me. <laughs> I know, but Miriam, how many guinea pigs did? Miriam, how many guinea pigs did you have at the peak? At peak, our peak sales of guinea pigs were 20. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Anyway, we had lots of lovely babies. It was very cute. Oh, that's cute. 
So I have, I did have a dog, two cats and two guinea pigs and then my dog died. Um, and so now we have two cats and three guinea pigs. Um, not that a guinea pig is equivalent to a dog, but when I had, we have, have toddler twins, when you were asking, the original question was about my, the age of my children. So I have a 10-year-old girl, a nine-year-old boy and two-year-old twin girls. So, Whew, yeah. how do you have time for a weekly podcast? <laughs> I really don't. I don't know why I did it to myself. It was it was full on naivety as to how much time it was going to take. To be honest, getting into it, but um, hence why I don't do it during the school holidays. Um, so yeah, back to your question. Um, I went through that sort of change of employment where I didn't stay long with that last employer at that last CSO and decided I wanted to go it alone. So I was working independently and I had a fairly chunk of time where I had to reflect on what I wanted, a bit of a pivotal moment. And um when I realized when I thought about what I wanted and what I enjoyed that was one of the things I missed was managing these teams of women women who quite often had taken a lot of time out to have their children and had taken a back seat while their husband's career had progressed and they had been the the main drivers and one of the things I loved was when you worked with these women and you gave them something to buy into, something to believe in and something to feel valued for again, they would light up. Um, and it was that energy and that part of, you know, that feeling of being part of something. And I really missed that. And you can't really do that when you work for yourself. Can you? It's like, I didn't have a team. So, <laughs> so the podcast kind of came about as a way of, creating that feeling again of being part of something and having a team a camaraderie of women um and also to hopefully help other women who perhaps had felt a little bit like i did when i had my less than favorable experience i suppose where i left that job because i felt that perhaps it, well, it didn't it didn't work for me with the lifestyle I had and I'd felt that some assumptions were made about me because I have four children that perhaps wouldn't have been made had I been male so there was a lot of that mm. going on um so that's why I created this girl cam I thought it'd be fun and I didn't know how to do a podcast so I thought hey let's see what this is like and uh turns out it's quite a lot of work isn't it but <laughs> but it is fun <laughs> Wow, that's amazing. Well done, you. So, um, you know, who's, who have you had on your podcast? Give us a few kind of um, trailers for people that we need to go and check out. Oh, my God. So I've had some, I've been really lucky. So um, you may know Paul Sims, um, who um, from Impatient Health, um, and he has been a huge ally and a massive help to me. So I actually did a webinar with him in October 22, so a year, just about a year ago, and emailed him and uh, James Harper, who put Sarah and I in touch, actually, to say, I'm thinking about doing this, but my one question is, how am I going to get any guests? Because these women are really busy. How are they going to find time to come on my show? And um, if any of you have got any recommendations, da -da -da, you know, perhaps you could hook me up. That'd be brilliant. And... You know, some of the guys sent me one or two names and Paul Sims, bless him, sent me a spreadsheet. 
and, and there was just these <laughs> tons and tons of names of women and that he recommended I speak to and all of them went for it so um one of the first ladies I spoke to was actually wasn't recommended to me by Paul was a lady called Jen Lang um that will always have a a place in my heart because it was I was so nervous um but it was fabulous she was so honest it re really was just like a lovely chat so that started it off started the ball rolling um then I've had some I spoke to Vicky Williams from GSK she's a GM at GSK Germany um really emotional powerful discussion with her um then uh tony from every connection counts tony ann jennings had such a laugh with her there, there's, there's this whole spectrum of our just incredible conversations that have reached levels that i didn't think we were going to going from in literally in tears with vicky to crying with laughter with tony um, and then I, went, I did one, I've only ever done one in person, where I went to London to meet Kiva Valerie Gilroy, Valerie Gilroy, sorry, um, who now is an independent advisor to pharma. She's had an, one of the most incredible women I've ever spoken to and could have just listened to her talk all day long. Also helped that she's from Northern Ireland um, absolutely hilarious, had a great time and we all went out for a meal and had a few drinks as well. It was fun. <laughs> so yeah, so I've had some amazing. Had so you've drink. been quite, yeah. And I think you've been quite, uh, you know, brave in a way compared to Miriam and I, we thought we were a bit brave, uh, doing it together, but we've kind of egged each other on a bit. <laughs> I think we both feel a bit nervous doing it this by ourselves. Um, how did you feel about doing this, you know, by yourself, just putting yourself out there? I know. Yeah, I do kind of wish I kind of envy that you've got like you've, you've got each other doing it together. I didn't have anyone else in the same boat as me at the time who had the time to, to do it. As, obviously, I started this before. My, I'm a, I do freelance Salesforce CRM work now. I'm a Salesforce certified admin. So that's what I'm now doing to actually make a living because, as you know, podcasting doesn't make you a living at all. Um, and before, when I was started the podcast, that hadn't really kicked off. So I just had more time available to do this sort of thing. Um, but there wasn't anybody else that I knew that had the time or inclination to go down this road with me. So, so I just did it by myself. Mm. I thought, why not? um but wow. yeah it's, it's I kind fantastic of I did have someone to do it with but I'm meeting I've made so many friends it's never so too late friends. maybe somebody listening to this will be you yeah. know maybe somebody listening to this will think Ooh, well, I could hey be listen a, I'd have I anyone share this I could be a co-host and presumably yeah and presumably you're always looking for people who are keen to come on and tell their inspiring stories yeah, definitely. It's so, I mean, as I say, I've been really lucky. Uh, I've had a lot of help getting guests on and I've had some really incredible guests. But I love what I love most is recommendations. So rather than people asking to come on, it's when I get, you know, a, a sea of women saying you need to speak to this person. We want to hear what she's got to say. Um, and they tend to be the really good ones um, because, mm. that's you know, if, if there's enough people that want to hear from someone, there's a reason behind that.
Mm. And is there anyone top of your top of your list at the moment? So I've got a few still on my list that I've yet to speak to. Um, I, we're hopefully going to get there. Um, I mean, I'm hoping you two are going to come on my show now. Like this is this is going to yeah. we're going to do it in reverse, right? Um, Absolutely. So, so heads up, you need to think about the movie Sliding Doors and your pivotal moment because uh, that's that's a common theme. Um, mm, but, okay. Yeah, there are. I won't. I won't say because I haven't got it yet confirmed. The recording hasn't been confirmed. But yeah, there's there's one particular lady I am really looking forward to. Oh, I need to come up with a code to let you know when that is. <laughs> yeah, give us the wink. Yeah. So big names, big names coming up. What do you think unites these inspirational women who you know are all making their difference in in their women's way? You know, face maybe with challenges family you know maybe some unconscious bias around as well what what are they what's what joins them all so someone asked me this recently actually um I think the one common factor that I have found with every single woman that I've spoken to that has surprised me the most has been that um I suppose it's that it's so cliche but the imposter syndrome And it's really taken me by surprise when I'm speaking to a woman who is at a level that most people don't don't work at. You know, they've clearly every degree going, you know, education to a certain level that I don't have job, you know, worked in a, a level of authority that you think by that point someone's going to be fairly confident in who they are and, and what they're doing and why someone like me would want to interview them and it's just not the case they pretty much i would say out of now 24 episodes i think 22 of those women have said i'm i'm just humbled and honored that you want to speak to me compared to some of the other guests you've had on and I just it blows me away every time but in a way that brings me some comfort because you kind of think well if you're suffering imposter syndrome then well (laughs) then then why am I even worrying about how I'm feeling because it's all it's just always going to be there so so why don't we just get on and do it anyway it's amazing because I, I watched this um, a video someone recommended to me recently and it's terrible because I can't remember the name of the woman. But, you know, those speeches that they do when they um, send their graduates off into the world in the US. Um, and um, so they get loads of famous people to come along and they're all on YouTube anyway. And one of them was this amazing woman and she was talking about imposter syndrome. And she said, you know what? This is absolute beep in terms of, you know, as a concept, because, and she likened it to this, this idea um, back in the days where they invented the bicycle and it enabled women who were sort of stuck at home to be out and about kind of in the world. And so there was this narrative around our oh, women who cycle um, create, have bicycle face. Have you heard about this one? Yeah, I, I, um, I know the exact one. Nodding, but maybe yeah, I mean, I'll just carry on just for the benefit of everyone listening. And so there was this whole kind of narrative around, oh, if, if women who ride bicycles get bicycle face, you know, I guess it's, you know, that kind of grimace that you have when you're sort of like wind in your face and, you know, the rattling um, handlebars and whatever. 
And so, and, and it was kind of like put out there that this was like a, an ugly thing. And, and, you know, you wouldn't want to be that kind of woman who rides a bicycle and gets bicycle face. And, and, and she was like, this was just pure manipulation to try and keep women where they were. And she said, imposter syndrome is exactly the same. And that's how she sees it. And so if you buy into the concept of imposter syndrome, it's like, you are an imposter, and therefore you're struggling psychologically to believe that you're entitled to be there. But if you believe that there is no imposter syndrome to be had, because you have the right to be there, you know, it changes it just kind of almost blows your mind to imagine that possibility. And it's almost like the more we talk about it, the more we reinforce it, just like bicycle face. And I, and, and I loved how she reframed that. And um, I'm sure we can find the link to it and put it uh, yeah, at the, no, you know, in, in the uh, description. But um, I was like, God, that's, that's brilliant. Like that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So um, it's a shame though, isn't it? How pre prevalent it is and how much, we struggle with it even today. Well, I yeah. think I think and it's, I, I heard... it's that sorry, it's that reframing of so um Stephen Bartlett said, I think it's not imposter syndrome, it's if you're uncomfortable, it's growth. You need to be uncomfortable to grow. So mm. so so if we can reframe it and let's not call it imposter syndrome, let's just say it's something that's pushing us outside of our comfort zone. Um, because that's all it is. It's mm. just like you say, it's just been called mm. imposter syndrome to make us feel like we're somewhere where we shouldn't be, which isn't the case. We're just feeling mm. the usual typical mm. feelings of discomfort when it's something that's stretching. Mm. Definitely. And Miriam and I had a chat about, you know, getting comfortable with feeling uncomfortable in our last little roundup we did on we did on LinkedIn. And it and it is, it's just noticing that horrible feeling of being uncomfortable and it, it isn't nice at the time but it is it just means that you're growing and you're pushing yourself and you know you're stepping into you know the magic zone as we call it in my in my agency yeah and it feels a bit uncomfortable in the magic zone until it becomes your comfort zone but the more mm. you practice to get better then the more it does become your your comfort zone so yeah I've I've heard some interesting talks on imposter syndrome, you know, right from people who totally, you know, who say, look, it just doesn't exist. It is just us either feeling that we just don't want to do something, having that sort of inertia, um, or it it might be taking that a little bit further, just a little bit of an excuse sometimes that we give each other, give each mm. other, give ourselves not to sort of push our, push ourselves on. So, but it is, it is fascinating because I'd never heard of imposter syndrome until a few years ago. Mm. And then I started to get it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is weird. I mean, I, I remember my first meeting where I was on the leadership team. It was, you know, I'd moved to the company. I was now kind of this, leader in the leadership team which I'd never been before and I remember sitting in the room looking around and going oh my god like there's me there's like one GM and I think the head of HR were women and the whole rest of the room was men and I do remember feeling like yeah like do do I have the right here? So it is uncomfortable and I think it's even more uncomfortable doing something new when you're surrounded by people who are different to you and then it's like 
so there is I mean there definitely is like a let's call it an extra level of discomfort I think where there's a sense of there's a there's one game being played I don't want to make it sound like a game but I mean there's one level of engagement and communication and comfort let's say amongst a certain group and you're feeling like a I don't know you don't know how to play that game and I I still feel it today I work in a Japanese company and I don't understand how that works it's a different world um so um so I mean much as I hate imposter syndrome and like making it an easy excuse um we definitely also have to do work to help people learn how to navigate at every level I think you know not whether it's being a working mum and how to juggle all of that or whatever, you know, all the stages through our career where in many ways we don't have those role models and we don't have people to follow and to kind of learn from. And that's, I think, what's, what we're missing is that sort of support. Um, so we're just struggling alone and then in our own brains and then, oh, um, that's so true. I think that's the big challenge. That's, and, and that actually is probably the other thing that all these women have had in common that I have spoken to is that mentorship piece um, and having, they've always had really good, solid mentors and, and believe very much in paying it back as well. Um, and I think that's, again, something really important that we can achieve by doing these podcasts is, you know, not only so, OK, we don't like the fact that imposter syndrome is called imposter syndrome. We don't like the fact that it does seem to be always targeted at women. But I think it's a good thing to have that conversation to make more and more people hear that, like I say, that these women that are at this senior leadership level of huge organisations uh, that have definitely reached a pinnacle of their career are still suffering that feeling of discomfort of being on a podcast. Why, why would anyone want to hear from me? So let's keep talking about it because that gives other people mm -hmm. like the, the likes of me comfort <laughs> and, and and the same with that mentorship if we can give them more people to look for to look up so if someone hears an interview with a woman that really resonates with them and everything they say then all of a sudden even if you just follow them on LinkedIn and you see more of their posts and you mm. share more of their thoughts it's just it's just sharing the love isn't it <laughs> that's what we're doing we're sharing the love mm. <laughs> Exactly. So what you said that what unites women, but and that that is a bit of a that's a bit of a challenge. Have there been any other common threads in terms of barriers that have been facing the women that you've interviewed? I don't know so much as barriers, really. It And I did think that we would come across that more when I was doing my interviews. But I think um I guess because of the sort of conversations that we have, it's very much about just their journeys rather than the things that have got in their way. Because I think, as I said, one of the things I alluded to earlier when I talked about sliding doors and when I said, if you would come on my show, um, we talk about pivotal moments. And I think that's, um, I, I ask every guest, or I did in season one, I feel like I need to move away from it for season two because Charlotte Moraine, who came on a couple of weeks ago, pointed out that it's from the 90s. <laughs> There's going to be loads of people who haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. Um, so, 
Um, but the the theme of the conversation is what's your sliding doors moment? What has, you know, altered your life to a point where you could have gone in a completely different direction? And do you ever reflect on that and wonder what that would have been like? And that's more the the really interesting part, I suppose, rather than barriers. It's more about what are the moments that have have changed the direction that you've chosen and why? Because mm -hmm. the way I see it, mm -hmm. you can see someone's LinkedIn profile and you can see someone's CV and they'll go from job to job to job. And you can see that progression. Everyone can see that it's there in black and white. But what really fascinates me is the bit, if we talk about squiggly careers, okay? So I don't know if I'm drawing lines now on the screen, but so a, a career that'll go like this. <laughs> I'm really interested in, in the bit that what's going on behind what we see on the CV at the point at which you changed from that job to that job, what was your decision-making process there? What led you to do that? Why, how scary was that leap? You know, how much self-doubt did you feel during that leap? And when, you know, people talk about a gap in your CV, you know, what we don't think about how that felt as an individual for that gap, or we don't talk about how that gap feels for that individual and all the questions and the moments of reflection. And, and I guess it was a theme of questioning for me because I was starting the podcast on the back of going through a fairly similar pivotal moment. So, so I guess that was why that, that came, that was important to me to understand how it was for everybody else. Mm, yeah I mean if you think about it a lot in the academia they they have that kind of um sabbaticals is kind of like a normal thing isn't it to have a sabbatical at some point yeah. through your career and it if I mean I know women have maternity you know time off often um and in some ways you know you do feel like you come back a different person even if you come back to the same job for obvious reasons yeah. but i think having those those moments in your life where you do something totally different which is totally scary um or you know you just take that leap or take some time to really kind of reconnect with yourself um and why are you here I think I think we could all do with a sabbatical, like a forced sabbatical at some point, because you end up feeling like on a train that you can't get off with your responsibilities and all the money and the status and so on and so on. Um, and you forget that you've got choices. Um, or you don't even think that you've got choices because you feel you're on that train and that's it. Yeah. Um, but obviously, yeah, probably many of us are too scared or just unable to do that for whatever reasons. Yeah, and that and that's sadly it the does case, it does it? happen sometimes. Mm. It does happen sometimes in agencies. Um, years ago, when I was freelance, I I I covered sometimes I covered sabbaticals. Mm. Um, so it's not unheard of in in agencies that's to do cool. that because I suppose you you know you're you know, you need to be bringing the inspiration and, you know, you can't do that if you're, uh, if you have no inspiration yourself. So mm. it does happen some, it does happen sometimes. Mm. I do. Agree but obviously it's a, you know, pushed. it's a really, it's a really big it. cost for companies. Mm. Yeah. Um, Liv, can I ask you, so you, you talked about one of your, your killer questions, let's say your pivotal moment, your sliding doors moment. What, what, what other questions would you say are kind of highly revealing in the conversations that you have 
and I'm going to make you answer it for yourself. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, well, my pivotal moments are, are slightly long-winded, but I suppose the, um, the most revealing questions that I have, um, what advice would you give to your younger self? So really, mm. it, it, and it's it's that, but actually not just, a, you know, a young person, because sometimes you can say, what, what would you say to someone just starting out in the industry? And that's, you know, obviously, it's always interesting to know. But, but again, I, I like to uncover knowing if you could go back and actually see yourself as an 18 year old girl or a 20 something or, you know, and at the start of your career, what conversation would you have? Are there any regrets that you have? Do you wish you'd been bolder at certain points? Um, or do you wish you'd known when to shut up at other points? You know, it's, um, it's, and I suppose that's always, it's quite interesting to have that conversation. Um, you're going to ask me what mm. advice I'd go back and give myself now, aren't you? <laughs> Nodding at me. Yep. Um, <laughs> The advice I would go back and give myself as, I'll say I'll go back to when I was uh, 22, which is the first job that I had in this industry. Um, there's a couple of things. One, I would say go and live in London, even if just for six months. Um, I, 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 I I'm Manchester, born and bred. I love my hometown and I will now never leave. All my children are here and at school and all the rest of it. But um i wish i had been so um grounded in where i was that i didn't even consider the opportunities that a spell in london would have given me um in this industry mm -hmm. so i wish i had taken the opportunity to travel around a little bit more um get some experience in mm -hmm. head offices um which there aren't many of up here so that's one thing i wish i'd mm -hmm. done um and I wish I hadn't been, I, I think I, I don't have a degree. Uh, I had, a, I got a job, I used to sell sweets before I got a job in, and I joined the pharmaceutical industry at a time when they were leaning away from the science degree and more into people that could sell because their theory was, you know, we can teach the science, we can't teach you the selling skill, the selling bit really. Well, they can, but you know what I mean um so mm. i joined the industry then and i think i spent certainly the first 10 years if not most of my time in in the industry feeling um intimidated by everybody i spoke to because i didn't have a degree um and mm. i wish i had either done something about it when i could afford to and, and could have taken the time and actually gone and, and, and got that degree or just get over it and just see that what I, I was there and had every right to be there. Um, I wish I hadn't let mm -hmm. that perhaps hold me back because I think it did, if I'm honest. Wow, thank you for sharing. <laughs> I think is the mm. message. I do. I I do like that piece of advice because sometimes, and not just a relating to that, but sometimes we do just have to get over th things and um, give ourselves a little talking to and just say, look, just get over it. It's yeah. you, you can't control it. Or if you can take control, if not, 
get over it just get yeah. over it yeah mm. yeah exactly yeah I guess you have to know how to get over it don't you and I think what it is is a deep unconscious belief that somehow you know it's the imposter syndrome <laughs> yeah. I I don't deserve to be here because I don't have a sign a degree um and actually you know if you can kind of replace it with a, another empowering belief so it's hard to go oh that doesn't matter it doesn't matter but it's still niggling in your brain versus kind of realizing you know I bring a whole different perspective and um and that's what you know makes me special and you know really reinforcing that to yourself every day or whatever you decide is is what can help you get over it but I think we just don't learn how to do this stuff no it's so true and when I when I look back now I can reflect I know I was really really bloody good at my job like I know now Mm. when I look back and the eyes that I have now I know every every job I held you know I was I was pretty good at what I did um but I just didn't I thought it was luck most of the time. I didn't really see what I was oh. doing. I just thought I was just lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we make our we make our own luck. What I just occurred to me as you were speaking there and talking about, you know, your early career and obviously you're great at building rapport with all sorts of people and, you know, with customers presumably throughout your career in a way do you think that's what's led you to do the podcast because it's it's about curiosity about other people isn't it really yeah definitely and actually I think so I was a barmaid before I got into the the pharmaceutical sales so so I went from being a barmaid to selling sweets for Swizzles Matlow you know the drumstick lollies and the love hearts (gasps) and all of that so (laughs) I had a boot full Thicky of sweets, it's amazing. And my husband can't believe he didn't know me at this time. But, so I went from being a barmaid to selling sweets to then into pharmaceutical sales. Um, and the barmaid was where I really learned how to talk to people. You And it was just a country mm. club, but we had regulars as well as people coming in to stay in the rooms because it was an inn as well, as well as people coming in for an, an evening meal in a restaurant. Mm. And it was a nice restaurant. So... You had your locals from the farm next door coming in to have a pint and they wanted the same beer every night. You know, they'd come in at the same time. Some with like sheep in the truck behind them. <laughs> so like, it was very bizarre. And But you had to know how to speak to every single person that came through that door and how to make them feel glad to be there. And that mm. that's what I think set me in good stead to become a good salesperson really that was the key mm. um, is learning how to speak to people mm. yeah Brilliant. fantastic fantastic so who's coming up on your pod plan in the autumn is there anything you can reveal to us about about the the forthcoming plan for this girl cam yes yeah um well hopefully now apart from you two in the <laughs> in the near future um who's on next week so I've got a few lined up at the moment that um, you will hopefully hear over the coming weeks. Um, a lady called, the latest one that I've just recorded is a lady called Jamita Perez from Medible. Um, she's based in the States. Um, she talked to me. Um, she was absolutely fantastic. I was just, so I actually, I do a pre-interview chat with everyone 
for like we sit for half an hour and we just chat about things that are important to them and I often say I put them right on the spot and I say tell me what you're passionate about and Jamita just blew me away she talked to me about um how she's passionate about patient centricity about being a mum of she has uh, twin girls as well actually uh, she has three children um she talked to me about the importance of why she's so passionate about DEI and her work in that and in this half an hour chat I could have just I could have just recorded that and that would have been a brilliant podcast episode in (laughs) itself so I was really excited to do the interview with her and that was months ago and obviously because of time zones and diaries um we didn't get to do the recording for quite some time so I finally got to do that recording um, and that will be going live either this week or next week, depending on how quickly we, we turn it around. But um, she was incredible. I really enjoyed that one. So so that's one to look out for. Um, who else? I've got a lady called Barty Ray. Uh, she's at a company called CVS, um, who, I, who I just spoke to last week. And coming up, she was equally fantastic. And Jane Gerch-Cowitz, she's a huge <laughs> advocate in patients. In patient centricity, um, rare disease, clinical trials, absolutely fascinating. Um, some really passionate, inspiring, clever women who I'm kind of in awe of, um, but could also listen to them talk for hours on end. So I actually had to, Jane's interview, we actually had to do in two parts um, because I, it wasn't enough but normally I allow one hour and we we needed easily two hours so uh, yeah that was a good one fantastic we'll we'll definitely provide links when we post this to your um your your podcast but where can people find you and how do you promote yourself yeah so I, I, I do most of my activities on LinkedIn um I do have um Facebook group where sort of the post at least to the episode will will show there. Um, Most of the publicity goes on LinkedIn. I have my website thisgirlcam.com where I have not only the podcast episodes but I also write up the interviews so that people who might just want to see what the conversation was like with somebody but maybe doesn't like podcasts or doesn't have the time to sit and listen to a podcast um can actually read it instead just to get a feel for it so um so that's on my website and other than that i'd say yeah linkedin i'm also on facebook and x now and um instagram and all the rest of it but the yeah the the key activity happens in linkedin and my website great you're every you're everywhere (laughs) we need you to be our social media person it sounds like We've got a social media person. Nat is started with us. She's doing a great job already. So uh, she's keeping oh. us up to date. <laughs> it's a lot of work, isn't it? It's oh, so well, much work. Yeah, it is. I think when you get into a sort of rhythm of it, it's uh, it's okay. And uh, we try to kind of make as light work of it as we possibly can. Because like you, this is not our 
day job but people seem to like it so it's great that we can shine a light on the amazing uh work that you that you do um when we set out i had no idea that we would be talking about guinea pigs and that i would learn my new favorite word which is a squiggly career (gasps) that's such a great term a squiggly career have you made that up or is it a thing I would love to take credit for that one. But no, I think there is actually a podcast called Squiggly Careers. I think I've actually, (laughs) I'm I'm pretty sure that's, uh, yeah, that's definitely not my thing. Um, But it's good, isn't it? Yeah, I I liked that one. It's it's fantastic. Sounds like Jane Easton's career. We called it an unconventional career, but Squiggly would have been even better. It would have been. It's been brilliant to talk to you, Liv. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Yeah. Um, I think we're both excited and scared in equal measure about coming on yours. Well, I am. I don't know about you, Miriam. Um, I'll be crying. I'll be crying. And I think we should definitely make sure we get the guinea pigs in a few. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. My do- Whilst we've been recording my daughter's been running around the garden trying to gather them in so um <laughs> yes it's been quite amusing one of them's a real drama queen <laughs> <laughs> oh, i know and when you get the food out when oh when we get like the of the yeah. it's breakfast or whatever they go crazy <laughs> oh, anyway lovely to meet you and um, well done on an amazing job with your podcast thanks thanks so much for having me on oh pleasure (laughs) take care thanks for listening if you haven't done so already why not join our LinkedIn group the Loose Women in Pharma podcast is a Women in Pharma production